As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Rejected by Rideshare. Two members of Milwaukee's blind community spoke out to Contact 6. I've probably had at least 15 drivers to 90 rides. What Uber and Lyft had to say about the driver denials caught on camera. Some drivers will slow down, see the dog, and not even stop. They'll just drive away. Plus, what does an energy drink, $4,600, and a job opportunity have to do with a brown deer business? Nothing. I told him it's probably a scam. And he said, no, this is pretty legitimate. The new twist on a classic scam that entangled a local business. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson, and I'm joined by Contact 6's Jenna Sachs. Hi, Jenna. Hi there, Brian. We are recording this episode on Thursday, May 12th. We are going to talk about a couple of stories, Jenna, but one of them actually I really find interesting because of something that relates to a story I did years ago that wasn't any a part of your report. And we're going to talk about that in a couple of minutes. But this is a story about Uber and Lyft, I guess you could say discriminating against some disabled residents here in the area. What's going on there? Well, we spoke with two women who are legally blind who told us they're having issues relying on apps like Uber and Lyft to actually pick them up when they order a ride. So I spoke with Joy Simmons. It's a She's a local woman who lost her eyesight a few years ago when she had a brain tumor. And she said the hardest part was the loss of independence. So about a year ago, she got a certified service dog named Nimble who helps her navigate sidewalks, get from place to place, avoid puddles, branches in the road all of that and they usually walk or take the bus but sometimes they need to order a ride and she said after having a few denials being told we don't take dogs in this car she started filming people and she has drivers on camera saying you cannot come in our car we don't take animals it's february 4th at 3:04 p.m and are you going to give us a ride no and why not because I never allow to have any dog in my car. It's interesting and important because these uh, apps require in their company policies for their drivers to always accommodate service animals, especially guide dogs, these certified guide dogs. And it's also required by law, federal law and state law, that these uh, service dogs always be accommodated. We also spoke with another woman named Stacy. She told me she's probably been denied 15 times and it's actually hard to keep track because she can often hear vehicles pulling up, pausing, and then driving off. And then she gets some sort of notification that the, the driver couldn't see her or they didn't see anyone waiting. So um, she says it's hard to keep track of, but she said her dog, Oneida, is really well behaved, better behaved than some passengers. And it's it seems like a huge inconvenience for these people who are missing doctor's appointments, who are late for work. Uh, Joy told me once 
she was chastised at a, at a meeting at work because she was late in front of a whole group of people. And another time she was denied a ride in front of a group of students outside of her school that she works at, which she said was incredibly embarrassing and degrading. So it's impacting the lives of people who deserve to have independence. And we use the word discrimination because that is the word Uber and Lyft used when we reached out to them. They said, we do not tolerate this kind of discrimination. And these drivers know when they sign up to drive for these apps, they are required to accept service animals. There's a couple questions they can ask, but they are required by policy and law to provide rides to members of the blind community and their service dogs. The thing that stood out to me here was that these riders got frustrated enough that they started to record these interactions. And you see how direct the questioning was, which is, you know, are, are you not giving me a ride because of my dog? And, and, and the, the person answers, you know, yeah, I never I never take dogs. Um, so th- there was no question that that's what was going on here, right? No, Joy provided us with two videos, one with Uber and one with Lyft. And in both videos, the driver either says, I don't allow dogs in my car or I never allow animals in my car. And this is one of the reasons the podcast is nice because I couldn't play the full video um, in either case because they they were longer than we were able to show. I have informed him that legally he's um, obligated to give him a ride, but he is denied. There are people who are aware of these policies who are driving, but at the same time, I said, do you understand if someone has an allergy or someone has issues with dog hair in their car? And she said, I understand that, but this is what they agreed to. This is what they signed up for when they agreed to be a driver for Uber or Lyft. So I'm not all that sympathetic because they are required to do this in order to do that job. Well, and I mentioned that I really found this interesting because of a story I had done. If you go back a few years, probably one of my favorite stories that that we put on Fox. And it was it was the one where we got a little silly with it. This is the one where we actually I was able to go online and get approval for a letter from a therapist in California saying that I needed I was prescribed one emotional support goat. For whatever my mental health condition was, and, and I took that letter around, and we took a goat around the city. <laughs> we took Ducky into Starbucks, Lululemon, the Marcus South Shore Cinema, and the Milwaukee Public Market. So this is my emotional support animal. Okay. But I, we don't even like allow dogs in At any sign of resistance, I just pulled out my therapist's note. I have a letter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that did the trick. It was ridiculous. But it was highlighting something that at the time was just an emerging issue, and that was the uh, the popularity of emotional support animals. And in some cases, we know that that's a legitimate designation that a healthcare provider, a mental health provider, has, has said this person needs this animal for emotional support. Um, and in that story, we looked in particular at when and where that actually mattered. I mean, it matters because you're allowed to live with your emotional support animal, you know, in your housing, or at the time you could take them on planes. And more and more people were getting frustrated by all of these animals showing up on planes and crazy ones like peacocks and all sorts of nutty things. So I think the public has grown resistant to maybe a little bit tired of all of the what they see as abuse of emotional support animals just so people can take their dogs and cats everywhere. 
And I wonder if that has an impact on things like this. Do some of these drivers go, no, you can't bring your dog in the car just because you want to take, because your dog's the nice one that won't tear up the car or pee or poop in here. Has that made it harder for people with legitimate service animals. Absolutely. That's something I spoke about with the National Federation of the Blind when I interviewed them for this story. And they said, first of all, these are service dogs, not emotional support animals. So these are highly trained animals who provide a service to them in their time of need. And when people who don't rely on these animals as much as members of the blind community do, try to take them in vehicles and the animals misbehave, they make it worse for everybody because they're leaving a bad impression with the driver. So they did also call out in our story members of the public who are just trying to bring their pets around, perhaps, when it's not a certified service animal, which is why rideshare operators are told you can ask two questions. One, is the animal required because of a disability? And two, what service is the animal trained to perform? And if the person can answer that, Uh, both of those questions, they are allowed to ride in the vehicle. You could make an argument that a chicken or something isn't trained to provide a service, Uh, but these are highly trained dogs with certification that they can prove. And both women I spoke with said, I'm happy to educate drivers. I'm happy to talk with them about my dog and all of its certifications and its training. But yes, I think you're right. When members of the public are just trying to get, get their dog in the car and it's not a trained animal, they're making it worse for people who truly need these animals to get the services they need. We know that Uber and Lyft drivers are they're they're independent contractors. Is that right? They're not they don't work. They're not employees of the company. I don't know. Maybe there's some legal stuff that I shouldn't be trying to dive into if I don't know the answer. But well, you can argue it either way, and that was something that was debated when they had a class action lawsuit. Years ago, Uber had argued perhaps that they were independent contractors, so they weren't necessarily responsible for some of these rejections. But five years ago, Uber did settle a class action lawsuit with the National Federation of the Blind. It was more than a million dollars, and it promised to make clear to drivers that they must accept service animals. There's certain prompts that they have to answer or agree to when they are um, becoming a driver in the first place. There's information they are provided. But the Federation of the Blind says this issue has continued, and that's part of the reason they're taking these videos. They're collecting information because they want to show the company executives this issue is continuing. You know, even though we settled this years ago, the issue isn't resolved. And when I spoke with this gentleman, Raul Gallegos from the Federation of the Blind, he said people who use service dogs have heard every denial under the sun, every excuse you can think of, they've heard of. And he told me one experience where he had waited three months for a doctor's appointment. And because of a rideshare denial, he missed his appointment and they wouldn't see him when he finally got there. And so that's a huge inconvenience to his life to miss an appointment that he waited months for. I wonder for Uber and Lyft if they are, I mean, if they've already had a class action lawsuit against them that they had to you know, spend a lot of money to, to make right, um, I would think that they would not want their drivers, obviously, denying these rides. What sort of actions do they take when it is reported that a driver has denied a ride like this? Well, action can include up to dismissal of the driver. It kind of gets into a gray area when the driver says, oh, I didn't know. But they should have known because they agreed. So often the Federation of Blind hears that they just received some sort of education. We educated the driver and we provided some credit to the rider. We put some money in their account for future rides and we apologized. And the Federation says, we think 
they should always be dismissed. We think you should take this very seriously. We want these drivers dismissed. We want harsher penalties so that this doesn't continue to happen. But often they're just hearing education was provided and they feel like that's not enough. The National Federation for the Blind is still keeping track. There are there are they is, is there a potential for another class action? I think that is part of the ultimate goal. Uh, otherwise, why would they be collecting all this information to present to Uber or Lyft? So yes, I think that's that's possible down the line, but it's just speculation at this point. It seems it seems possible to me, but at this point, I don't think they're actively preparing it. They're just gathering data so they can say, hey, this is still happening. You said it wouldn't, and our, our riders are continuing to have problems. Moving from that to uh, what would otherwise be a classic scam, but uh, Jenna, this is one that had uh, kind of a new twist. You're always looking for these twists, and uh, and this one involves a local business. Tell us about what happened. Yeah, we often hear about the scam from the victim's perspective, but in this case, it was a, a local business that kind of got unexpectedly tied up into the scam. Uh, we were contacted by a local accounting firm called Covenant Accounting in Brown Deer, and it had been getting these little brown packages in the mail, envelopes that listed them as the sender, and they had bounced back. The The addresses on the envelopes didn't work, and they were bounced back to their business, and they said, we're listed as the sender on these letters, and we never sent this information. And when you open the, the envelope, there's instructions in there that claim to be from full throttle energy drink outlining a job opportunity that involves taking a check they sent, a $4,600 check, cashing it into your personal account, and then immediately transferring most of the money to your new supervisor. So there's a lot of red flags there. Um, but then Covenant also started getting phone calls from people saying, this looks pretty legit. I just wanted to double check with you before I cash this check. Um, so they were getting phone calls and they've gotten, I think four or five of those letters returned to them at this point, even though they never sent them. So we saw this as a classic employment scam, a classic check scam. And we cover these from time to time just because they're so pervasive and they're very likely to impact all of us at some point in time. What What is the reason for involving the local business and, and you know, for the scammer to list them as the sender? How does that affect this or potentially make it, uh, you know, a, a more convincing tale? You know, I didn't get a call back from the scammer, not surprised when I did call the number in the letter and left a message. Uh, but I would speculate that it has something to do with the fact that it is a real business and it's not particularly well-known or large outside the Milwaukee area. It's, it's only a handful of people working there. So if you Google them, they do exist. And that might work in the scammer's favor because they're picking a place that actually exists. But if you look closely, the checks they sent, these $4,600 checks, list a different firm, a different uh, insurance company uh, on those checks. So you've got one name of one business on the envelope, the name of another business on the check. There's just a lot of things that didn't add up. And if you read the letter closely, there are grammatical errors, which are always a big red flag. There's a demand for immediate action. They say, cash this check. And then as soon as you have that money, you know, send it to the supervisor and you can keep this, you know, um, amount of money that that for, for the convenience or, of you sending this money. But once they're asking you to transfer money from one count to another, that's that's never a good sign because often it can take 10 to 14 days for a bank to catch on to the fact that a check 
is going to bounce, that it's not legitimate, and then you are out that money. And I can tell you from people that reach out to Contact Six, it is often very difficult to convince a bank to you know, waive that money uh, because you willingly went in there and you, you transferred the money yourself from one account to the other. So you're often out that money yourself. It's, a very, it's, it's hard to get a bank to reverse that for you. Whoever these scammers are, they have to know that they can only use these company names for so long because pretty soon the return mail is going to start showing up and that company's going to report it to authority. So I'm guessing they must sort of change these from time to time. I, and I imagine it's something other local businesses should be on the eye out, uh, eye out for because or keep their eyes out for in case they start getting similar types of mailings. I think so. And I think you should always report it to law enforcement. There may not be a lot they can do if the scam is originating outside our country, but it's good to know these trends are happening. You can report them to the Better Business Bureau, which has a really good scam tracker. And it's also just really important for everybody to do their diligence. If you get one of these letters, you know, watch for grammatical errors, call the companies listed in the letter you're getting or on the envelope like these potential victims did and don't use the numbers in the envelope or on the letter use the numbers you find on google go in and look up whether these are real companies you could call full throttle and ask them if it's real you can call covenant accounting and find out that they did not send the letters after all but the but the best thing businesses can do is report it and let let the law enforcement know that this is happening so that if anybody reaches out to law enforcement, they can say, yep, we're aware of this. It's a scam. You know, we always hear you do so many of these stories. We hear about the victims and now in these cases, the businesses. Rarely do we ever get you called the scammers. Of course, they didn't call you back, but rarely do we get to see who's doing this. What are the chances that they're going to find the people behind these scams? Not very good. Um, Often these scams are originating outside the country and Law enforcement can't do a whole lot to track them down. So it is good to report these things because you never know if it's originating somewhere in our country. Uh, but it, it can be very, very difficult. And often people don't report it to law enforcement because they know this. And sometimes all law enforcement can do is take the report and they can't do a whole lot more uh, because the investigation will, will stop at the border. So there's, it, it's very difficult for us at Contact 6 to often say to people, I'm sorry, this is a well-known scam. Here are the various places you can report this issue so that the government is aware of it, so that you know the BBB is aware of it. But often, once the money is gone, it's really hard to get back. I have to tell you, Jen, I was just in Las Vegas, and while we were there, uh, we ended up going to the Mob Museum, which is a the National Organized Crime Museum, essentially, and it has a history of organized crime in America. And they had one floor where they had an interactive screen and you could look at all sorts of different syndicates around the world and different federal busts and things. And there were a couple that related to these types of scams. One was the, I know you've reported on the sort of kidnapping scam where someone gets a call and says a loved one's been kidnapped and they need a couple of thousand dollars or whatever it is. And and some of those actually didn't originate necessarily in some of the countries we might have thought of like Nigeria or something. They were maybe from Mexico or I think a couple of these things that actually had operated within the United States but had overseas ties. This is happening all over the place, and, and many times it is tied to some major organized crime. So, yeah, the, the fact that we're going to somehow bust them here at Fox 6 News in Milwaukee's pretty tall order, but uh, obviously it's something that is going to continue and people need to be on the lookout for. I think it's just important to 
let people know how these scams work so they can recognize them in their various forms that they might present themselves. It might not be all that obvious. You might have to study the letter or the email for quite some time, but there are a lot of red flags you can look out for, starting with incorrect addresses. Maybe the email address is a little off what it should be. Um, Look for those grammatical errors and always follow up with these companies using the numbers available on Google and and just do your due diligence because I hate to see people fall fall victim. We, we just get these calls all the time. You know, the romance scams, we hear about those a lot. That Those are hard to break to people that they, they probably aren't real. I spoke with a scammer recently who admitted to me he was in the Philippines. So I, if you really press them, sometimes you can get an answer as to where they're at. But I, you know, we hate seeing people fall victim. So hopefully this story will remind people of how these scams work. And they, it's, people say, how do you fall for this? Well, they send out so many letters. And they only need a handful of people to fall for it to make some easy money. So uh, if they catch someone in a bad moment or it connects with them for some reason because they did some, maybe they buy a lot of energy drinks or maybe there's something, there's a personal connection there that the scammer didn't know about that makes the people more likely to believe it. Well, and obviously when there's a great need, if someone's in a real financial straits and and there's just that desperate hope that maybe this is the manna from heaven, this is the thing that's going to answer my prayers, that can put somebody in a really vulnerable spot. Yeah, easy money and it's... uh, Often easy money is a red flag itself. It is time for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more casual, have a little fun by answering a question for which we have not prepared. Sarah Smith is unable to join us this week, so I am the preparer of our off-the-record question. So, Jenna, you'll get to be the one who has to answer this first, but I have some thoughts as well. You have young kids, so this could apply to them. It could be you when you were younger. It could be you as an adult. Um, But is there a song that you or your kids have gotten the lyrics wrong to and sung it full volume with full confidence that those are the correct lyrics? If so, what was it? And and when did you find out that you were... You were getting it wrong the whole time. Oh, no. Brian, I'm going to have to take like 10 minutes to think about it. Well, I'll give you <sighs> some time to think as I jump in and tell you that this the question came to me because uh, during a station news meeting, um, one of our managers made a reference to um, made a reference to Lucille. Um, you, you picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. Old Kenny Rogers song. And I actually made a joke in the meeting that, you know, I wonder if any of the younger reporters or people on staff even know the reference he just made. But then I started hearing the, the lyrics in my head. You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. And the next line is, with four hungry children and a crop in the fields. But when I was five years old when that song came out and throughout my childhood, I heard, with 400 children and a crop in the fields. And I always thought that that's what it said was 400 children, which seemed ridiculous, but I don't know. Maybe it's a, you know, I was a kid. Maybe it's metaphorical. I don't know. But 400 children. I sang it out loud that way until finally my brother one day said, you know, it's four hungry children, right? And I, it, it didn't sound right to me after that. That's, that's the way I hear that song. Well, I feel like I'm going to fail you here because I can't think of anything that they're singing wrong. Um... They're really into the different sing soundtracks right now, the sing movies, 
Okay. Which is cool. Those are good because, movies, by the way. Yeah, good soundtracks. Yeah, and they have real songs. So, like, they're really into um, what I'm looking for, you know, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Of course. Um, but it's more like they're jumbling the words and then they belt out the chorus. Um, but those are hard those are hard songs. I really Okay, can't... so this is a related question or a related thing. It's maybe not the getting the words wrong, but I, especially when my son was young, he really liked a lot of pop music and pop music has gotten so risqué in a lot of mm. ways that I was I understood that he was singing along because he liked the tune not because he knew what the words meant. But um, is it, I think it's Rihanna had the, mm-hmm. the S&M song. Mm-hmm. Is, is it, Rih- yeah. So Yeah, she does. Okay. So lyrics, he's belting them out and has no idea what it means. And then one day, I think the realization hit him as he got older and he, he won't sing that song anymore, which <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful for. But I was always really uncomfortable. It was a very popular top 40 mm-hmm. type song, but obviously talking about something very not child friendly. Um, and there's a lot of songs like that, I think, in pop music. So that's that's another one is the sort of you, you almost hope they either get the words wrong or they just don't know what the words mean. Right. I can't I don't think I've had any of those experiences yet because our life is very much soundtrack driven right now, which is kind of tailored for kids. We do have issues with them shouting at Alexa that they want a song and then it plays the real version. And they're like, no, 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 no. Who, this is the Taylor they Swift the version for, right, of yeah. Shake It Off. We want the pig <laughs> that sang it. In the Sing movie, this isn't the real version. So we have a lot of that going on. But I, I, I feel like I failed you, Brian, but I can't think of anything they're singing horribly wrong. They're pretty good with lyrics. I know one that almost everyone's gotten wrong throughout their life, or at least in their head, you think. And it's that, that song, um, Blinded by the Light. You know, yeah. you know that's yeah. Blinded yeah. by the Light. It's right. revved up like a deuce. But no one thinks it says revved up like a deuce. I don't even think I... I knew the word deuce was in there. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> I, I won't what... say what everyone thinks it is, uh, even on a podcast, but I think almost everyone has, throughout their life, heard that song wrong. But all right, that's all I have. Sarah, you get to keep your job asking the open record qu- or off the record question because I stumped Jenna. I'm um, sorry. But I, I know Sarah is going to be listening to this, and she's going to ha- she's going to probably tell us in the next podcast that she has something. I guarantee someone in that house has been singing the lyrics wrong on something. If you have a topic you would like us to discuss here on the podcast or an issue you think we should investigate for Fox 6 News, send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. That is fox, the number six, investigators at fox.com. Jenna, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Brian. As always, thank you to the people who make the podcast possible, producer Pete, Dave Machuda, and Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. With that, I'm Brian Polson. We'll be back again next week. Thank you.